Hi Akshay, I'm Rohan Verma. I'm the co-founder CEO at Breathe Wellbeing. Imagine a disease which kills one and a half million people each year for which there is no vaccine and no easy cure. You may have guessed it, we're talking about the lifestyle disease diabetes. In this remarkable episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, you will get to hear how two engineers with no medical background ended up creating one of the most successful diabetes reversal solutions in the country. Rohan Varma started his venture while he was still in college, and that entrepreneurial spirit is what propelled him to create Breathe Wellbeing, a diabetes reversal platform that is powered by content, coaching, and community. Rohan shares his roller coaster journey of building a bootstrapped health tech business facing multiple near-death circumstances despite getting into the YC program and eventually sticking through it to reach where they are today. Stay tuned for experiencing the ride of a lifetime with Rohan and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app to hear from some of the most disruptive founders in the country. What's your elevator pitch for Breathe Wellbeing? So it's... uh... We help people prevent, manage, reverse type 2 diabetes. That's what we do. And how we do that is we have a clinically proven digital program through which we help people with type 2 diabetes to lose weight, control their blood glucose. And here's the best part. We help them get off all medications completely. And how we go about that is we have built our verified protocols in diet, exercise and meditation. And we deliver these same verified protocols to a very unique 4Cs approach. We're the pioneers of these three C's or four C's approach. So one of which is coaching. Second is community, curriculum, and champions. It's been eight years we've been in this space. We've grown almost 10x every single year of our existence. This is completely direct to consumer and word of mouth and organic. But when I started as an entrepreneur, we were B2C. Then we became B2B for the longest time. And then we came back to become direct to consumer. So I'm a second time founder in the healthcare space. Previously built a profitable B2B well-being venture where we were creating these well-being programs and selling it to corporates across Asia. And my past life was an investment banker with Nomura and a strategy consultant in McKinsey and Company. And prior to that, I was an entrepreneur back in my college days where I built like an edtech startup and sold that off in Singapore. So that's been my journey in the last 11 years. Amazing. Uh, let's start with the, the first venture. Um, you built that edtech startup and you sold it in Singapore. What was that one about? It was it was a technology sale, very small, and it was a location-based learning, right? And what we had built was like people could just, instead of carrying large notebooks and books to classrooms, so that we had like a huge university, so people had to carry books and notebooks to classroom. We just, and cloud was a very upcoming technology back then. AWS was really pushing it hard, 2010, 11. So what we did was we created these smart classrooms on top of each lecture theaters. A student need not carry notebooks or books inside a lecture theater. He can just walk into a, a lecture theater with an iPad and just download the notes from the cloud, scribble, take notes and just put them back onto the cloud and anyone could access them. So that's the that was the kind of a seeding idea. Because in our college, there was a dearth. You can't just walk into any lecture theater because you're not registered for it. You wouldn't have access to those notes or or uh, books. But what I did was I kind of built something as a rebel in parallel. And now anyone could walk into any classroom. And college ended up banning it. And uh, yeah, that's what happened. 
Amazing, amazing. Okay, so this would be like a uh, what they say as a B two I like sales to institutions, uh, like a B two I business, right? So we we found users for it. We couldn't monetize it. That's where the technology was working well, and we realized there were huge barriers to entry, and uh, that's where the it, it it never took off, right? And the technology was there, and we just sold the technology off to someone who wanted to apply that. in location based advertisements so that's what what happened yeah okay 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 plus uh, selling to institutions is uh, like an extremely long gestation period and it would have taken you years to get significant traction on it uh, institutions are very slow decision makers but how did you get users for it you didn't need an institution buy in to uh, make this uh, live so that was the biggest learning i think i had it doesn't like if there is a need that you have identified you can just you used to just stand outside some canteen and just tell people that this is what we have built if you download this app this is what you will be able to do and and students like the idea they started downloading it so it was almost like and we acquired the notes and all of that from people who were already registered for the class so we married the supply and the demand uh so that's what we did that's how we acquired users in a very unscalable way Yeah. Okay. So I I guess the seeds of entrepreneurship were born back then. Uh, so uh, tell me the journey after that. So seeds of entrepreneurship were born. I I'm from a middle class family. My mom is a just retired as a principal after 35 years in a school. Dad is in the navy, merchant navy. So was traveling the world with them. Was very very privileged and very um um brought up in a family where education was really valued. Very privileged. Always getting access to the best sort of tuition centers. All of that. uh i did my second degree in entrepreneurship back in college days that's where the seeds of this entrepreneurship got sown one of this manifested in the form of this location based learning the other was launching an event where we made a lot of money like just monetized tedx as an event and started selling that and organized asia's first after hours tedx event inside a nightclub so in singapore so students really flocked to the nightclub when there was a tedx happening over there instead of like boring talks from businessmen we actually brought in magician all sorts of different people to kind of give talks so so we became really popular because of that and that is something that kept on running in college these were the, like the early seeds that were sown and when the edtech thing was not flying did not take off I came back to india to work in banking because that's what all the the more credible people in my batch more established people in the batch who had higher gpa were doing so followed the herd Yeah, that's the 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 B school dream is to join either investment banking or consulting. Yeah, yeah. I was not in B school. I just did my undergrad over there. Did my electronic engineering. So I'm not. I didn't go to B school. So I did my electronic engineering from NTU, and side degree was in entrepreneurship, and then came back to India to do investment bank banking because that's what all the cool people were doing that day. So I realized that maybe I'm not a startup guy. I should just do this cool things, and I realized that that was the biggest mistake of my life. just following uh, the herd mentality and locking myself in a huge company and that was like a kind of a almost like a torture for me night like 10 11 months working in western banking 14 15 hours meaningless work and i quit that job without having another job in hand uh like parents were super scared like what this guy is up to he came back to india and everyone goes to singapore and take up a job there he come back comes back to india and quits the quits the job uh because it it didn't work out for me man and then uh was obviously feeling really low in life startup didn't work out the way i wanted it 
went into a high flying job i completely hated it my boss completely hated me like it was like a love hate relationship uh, um and started doing some odd jobs uh, just became like a was looking was preparing for my cfa level 2 back then but also wanted didn't want to come back home i was in bombay the city that has just given me everything in life just love bombay didn't want to come back home to delhi like a loser I, because i felt like a loser when going back home um was interviewing for like insurance agents jobs you know so just did that for 3 4 days selling insurance door to door because that's what i felt confident about right if you give me something if i understand that product i can connect with others and make them see the benefits of it which is actually called as selling right did that tried some odd things as well did some opening acts and stand up that was an in thing back then 2011 12 so did some opening acts uh, like uh, open mics where tanmay bhat was traveling with them in like kali pili taxi sharing the cab bill so 2011 12 and then uh, mckinsey decided to interview me I, i thought it was just a fluke and that's when i thought the, there was a new gear in life that i was given so just one round after the other like five six rounds got in com- simply thought that i'm going to be a back end analyst but there's no such thing over there which i got i was interviewing for and uh, i was looking at the entire interview process as a just an experience but just got in there was a roller coaster ride then i had a fantastic time at mckinsey I was in 23 countries in 2 years worked across seven sectors work and just the the kind of responsibility that was given just that gave me a lot of confidence as a 23 24 year old you were in board rooms are expected to navigate tough situations and influence heads of verticals uh so that really pushed the envelope of my learning and confidence levels and the competency was anyways got getting built when you're slogging for 15 16 hours a day so that was like a turning point in my life two years working there made great friends learned a lot but after the end of the two years i think that's where the seed of the man search for meaning and man search for joy just kicked in again so and i was not deriving meaning after two years of you know just doing in highly intellectual stuff working with some brilliant minds the end of the day when i'm building a slide at 1 am when i ask myself why i'm doing it the only answer could be maybe i'm trying for a transfer to a new york office or maybe i'm going to do this for a bonus or maybe a distinctive rating but there was no why you know what's happening like so i think that the the seeds were sown back in college but then it just came to bite me like if the best bloody job in the planet is that's not giving me meaning and joy and my only plan in life is not to just get out of mckinsey do some two years of vc work p work to get into stanford's and the harvard why do i want to do that because i want to do something of my own because that's the time i feel really alive i feel that i'm in a joyful state i feel i feel that i'm alive i think that's but said why do i then need to go through that why a batinda route batinda se jaane ki zarurat kya hai you want two years of vc karna as i had like a couple of offers back then us kyon karna hai vc because ha b school jana hai and then after that kya karna hai loan utarna hai uske baad kya karna hai khud ka kuch karna hai but like this six years of i just one night in 2015 2 am i was just creating a deck for a real estate client and i just i just saw the next years six years of my life play out in front of me extremely predictable exactly could predict what is happening when and realize yaar karna end mein jab khud ka hai so why not do it now when i when i'm like a 26 year old guy and i have had zero savings but i still had four five months left in mckinsey i can still save something and do something of my own 
so i think that's where that that uh, that seed got grown and now my school friend aditya who's a co-founder at breathe wellbeing with me very very lucky to have him in my in this journey uh he was heading to b school carnegie mellon and we were we ended up chatting for like many months you know exploring some weird ideas right from dating apps to something like urban company urban lab or something like a like a housing.com which was like the in thing back then uh we just uh, both of us were into sports fitness football basketball doing fitness and that's the time when class pass and us was getting really popular payal kadakia was doing a fantastic job just um uh, galvanizing the supply of fitness studios enabling it on a marketplace model through a single pass so we attempted doing something similar and that's something that really was a was a was a, at least we really liked the idea we had that inclination towards it disinterested obsession as paul graham says you know something towards that yaar ye aisa lag raha hai ki effortless rahega kyunki hame maza aata hai karne mein because it needs some real sweating when you call it as a fitness startup that's what we started in 2015 it was called as class hop and that was our start of an 8 year old adventure which is continuing and just growing right now Okay, so for people who don't know class pass, uh, like the uh, in the US, there's this culture of yoga classes, Pilates, and uh, whatever different, like what cult is doing in India now, those short duration, high intensity workout classes. Uh, so class pass basically allowed you to go into any fitness studio and attend that one session instead of signing up for a year's membership. Uh, so it, it it was like a very uh, built for the millennials kind of a. a platform uh, and that is what you started with class hop yeah that's right that's right and we were very in 9 to 10 months of trying that out where we are literally and i can just into into words i can sum up why that model didn't work for us firstly it could only work in very small micro colonies where the supply was a lot and high quality supply was there only there that's where it could work and obviously our toolkit as entrepreneurs was also not that great we were trying to do some scalable stuff when it really needed it the model did not need a mobile app to make it work it act, we could have actually made, we could to test it out we could have done it on excel so anyone out there who's thinking that the only reason their idea is not working is because they don't have a mobile app or a website please please don't invest money in any such product before you actually do it and run it through an excel sheet that's all you need and we wasted a like 9 10 months of our life we were literally dancing at 6 am in rwa colonies trying to activate those colonies or so literally you could have like multiple videos you can find multiple videos of me and aditya 6 am different colonies doing zumba classes trying to activate aunties you know why zumba or fitness dance is the way to go or crossfit is the way to go and you know what you just experience all these three classes now purchase our subscription and you can do all of them together but the behavior was they they just wanted to just do one thing right so we realized very quickly and and the people who really love the class pass model we will always incur losses on them because we still get calls from people who love the some girls who love the product so much they used to drive us into losses because we only made money if people eventually did not go they just purchase subscription from us and they ended up not utilizing it and it's a classic double whammy right because if your super users are not making you money then it that's almost like an insurance sort of a product right which is a a a flip side of a freemium model right the the peop, the super users are the ones who will drive you into losses 
so it's it's a it's a it's 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 a it's a difficult model to execute but the real reason was supply was not you could have executed that at scale had you had supply across cities which cult eventually ended up creating on their own that's the and this this so ankit had spoken to us in 2017 and uh, that's where i think the, the, those guys realized that they have to build their own supply there's no other way and that was the biggest learning you have to control supply if you want to create create a meaningful experience for any user and that's what we pivoted into 9 10 months from there where we started creating our own well-being programs based on the requirements that were coming in from corporates so that was the the breathe well-being 1.0 as a brand where we were helping companies drive employee engagement employee retention employee health through a holistic well-being program and that's where aditya and i are while we were doing this we also started becoming experts so i am a crossfit level 2 trainer a mindfulness coach aditya is an ace certified behavioral health coach because we both of us have literally worked out at more than 150 gyms and studios in india and by virtue of doing that we just ended up saying yeah certifications hi le lete hain hum because we just become like experts in this field and we started creating our own programs that we started selling to corporates and uh, this is uh, uh, the the pivot to corporates is around 2017 you said 2016 2016 okay and and we got into gsf then we got into gsf then and we 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 pitched uh, our b2b that we started monetizing that yeah so uh, what you were selling to corporates is like a service where you're saying we will send trainers to your campus uh, to conduct these classes like that was a combination of both the market at that point in time asked only for workshops because uh, corporate wellbeing workshops of whether it's yoga or zumba or nutrition or doctor sessions all of that um, and i'm i would say 70% of the market would still be there but while we were trying uh, building these com- fitness communities offline you know understanding what drives our adherence we we were becoming really good at building game design into online products and we just started gaining some level of mastery some level of expertise in how do you drive engagement on an online platform through game design so that's something that we kept doing and then when corporate saw the power that whatever session that they did offline which was very expensive for them it used to at best activate only 1 to 2% of the employees the online program that we did we we kind of mastered the art of marketing how do you kind of activate employees into participating and then how do you kind of make them re- uh make higher number of employees retain onto that so we launched some challenges whether it was steps challenges or fitness challenges or nutrition challenges or a weight loss challenge and we did that really really well So HRs really loved that because they had never experienced this sort of engagement from anyone. So we literally, we ended up having like accounts who were paying us, literally prom, uh, committed to paying us three and a half crores in like three years, and which was like a huge deal. So our entire seven-member startup was literally profitable in no time uh, before we hit 2018, doing some uh, two and a half, three crores of revenue and uh, having fifty thousand subscribers. were engaged so i think that was it and that that was a time we realized we we have something that that's going for us but the time was not that high so i think by while doing sales we realized we had to influence the corporates to create budgets for such a thing so that was a another learning if if the client is already not spending on it it's very difficult it requires a influencing of another level of marketing or pr of another level to influence them to create those budgets and only the budgets can only get created if you are helping a client 
directly increase revenue or directly decrease cost. There cannot be any hops involved. So that's why we realized our time is low and we were just kind of, at least I as an entrepreneur was just realigning my internal expectations, going through some low times, uh, some really, really low times back in 2018 and 19. Yeah. Like you thought that this would never be more than a couple of million dollar ARR business. Yeah. So that's what, I, that's what was sinking into us while we were doing some business development that at best, this will going to be like a three, four million sort of a business in five years. And it, it required a lot of push sales. Push. Only like a Fortune 500 company would be willing to invest in this for their employees. Uh, most companies would just see this as a like a luxury spend, uh, not really something there. Even for Fortune 500 companies, it's like a good to have sort of a thing, right? It's not part of their core competency or core business, right? So that realization, I think it took us a while to internalize that. Because the, the entire year of comfort, which was profitable, the first year that we started drawing salaries, I think that just blinded us to quickly have that realization, boss, this is, we're just kind of wasting our time, probably, uh, because there are no, it's not going to be like 1000 clients are not coming in and buy and doing like purchases worth 20, 30 lakhs a year. So I think that feeling sink, started sinking in 2018. When after one year of BD, it was not much to show, like 10, 15 clients across Asia. And those clients loved us and they still love us. They still call us. When are you launching B2B? And we say, no, we're not. But they still love us because we did that really, really well. We went really deep into it. It's just that expanding the contracts of the clients was a challenge for us. It eventually became like a contract renewal business. And that's where Aditya and I uh, stopped deriving meaning out of it because if if all we got to do is just keep some stakeholder happy in a company and that's all it takes to get a renewal, then somehow that just stopped itching the the entrepreneurship kida in us. It was like, we're not building something that the world needs. We're just doing it for a check mark because someone wants to look good in front of their CEO, which is all right, which is all good. But maybe we're not the best guys for that, right? Because we really want to solve a deep enough problem. And that was 2018 and I was going through a really rough and low patch seeking therapy one quick question here uh, can you describe what was the product that you were selling uh, it was like a combination of on-site workshops plus a, uh, like a digital workshops it was a common so it was a sure sure so we had components of fitness diet and meditation and we had built game design into driving engagement among employees towards all these offerings, whether it was getting consumed through um, coaching or uh, curriculum, which was the main thing back then, or community, which was, which we were driving through game design and challenges, something that I had learned during my time at CrossFit, that how game design actually activates anyone to kind of push themselves. So this is what we are selling. And we used to take guarantee that if you, if you don't see 80% of your organization participate, you don't pay us. And there was nobody able to kind of put the money where the mouth is and HR was just blown away. How can these people just come in and guarantee participation and something we are targeting for the last 10 years? Because we just knew how to drive engagement, right? We knew the, the messages that are going to work. We knew what employees would love to do on our platform. So that gave us the confidence to at least, you know, tell like, if you don't see 50% of your employees on our platform, don't pay us anything. That literally was our promise to employees and they were blown away by that. So. 
and the delivery was all online or you were uh, like online all online apart from workshops that used to happen some of the some of the corporates used to purchase workshops workshops in parallel that was an add on uh, separately priced that was an add on but it used to have a good traction as well almost like we were serving corporates in almost 150 plus towns and cities and we used to see even more massive engagement in tier 2 and tier 3 and this is exactly in this model where we had the insight so the luckily for us i got in deeply into meditation back in 2017 almost went for my third uh, vipassana course in 2018 at toshita meditation center you, you did the third like a full 10 day course yeah yeah, yeah. so I've, i've done like five of them till date and the third one was like the most uh, game changing because i was just cut off from my team cut off from everyone um just made a promise to myself 2018 because both aditya and i had just become very comfortable doing the previous thing and we had the joy level was going down the excitement level was going down and our opportunity cost was so high in life right so and the business was not really going either going up or going and it could not be killed right we built something that could not be killed because we had like contracts for like 3 years so i think one clear thing that i learned was that we got to build something for our own joy first if it doesn't give us joy then we won't last in whatever we are doing so where can we harbor our disinterested obsession so we still figured that we still love well being as a space we still love diet and exercise and meditation we just hopelessly in love with that field and we just hopelessly in love with what we do but it's just unfortunate that the market is not there so we just started asking ourselves can we just upsell to corporates a bit more just create a, even a bigger promise a 10x promise and that's when we saw what levongo health was doing in us and we got motivated and inspired by it and we said is there an opportunity and when then we looked at our data all these 50000 subscribers that we had in corporates and we always thought that we are building those digital wellbeing programs for millennials people who are just like aditya and me below the age of 35 but 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 when we looked at our data 50000 subscribers and you always get learnings from watching what your super users do because super users make your product you never make your product it's the super users who tell you what to do so i think thankfully for us we had that insight back then the 20% of the user base were our super users who were spending more than 30 minutes on our platform we decided to just go deeper into that interestingly more than 90% of our super users turned out they were not millennials there were literally most of the super users were not millennials and we thought something's wrong with the data how can it be that 90% of them are above the age of 35 we built something so mobile app focused this doesn't make sense something's wrong with the data we decided to interview those people and we realized those are the people within corporates who actually had a need for what we were doing these were people who were suffering with type 2 diabetes they were women who were suffering with pcod there were other men who were suffering with blood pressure or hypertension and what they unanimously loved about us was uh the game design aspect the community aspect men with type 2 diabetes were actually teaming up with other men who are type 2 diabetes and they were sharing their blood glucose readings with each other women with pcod they were motivating each other to just get fit and just get rid of pcod that just gave us the insight maybe this is what we need to focus on chronic diseases and and the only way we can do that is now we should do a clinical study and pick up one therapy do a clinical study and then we want to upsell to corporates ki ye aapke this is your 
5,000 employees, but did you know that one 500 of them have di diabetes or PCOD and we have, boy, do we have a specific program for you and we can upsell. That was the whole thinking. And we decided to do a clinical study on type 2 diabetes. Why? Because my mother was a type 2 diabetic. Aditya's father was a type 2 diabetic. They're very much alive and healthy right now, but they're no longer type 2 diabetic. And they, they, we made them part of the clinical study. We did that on 181 type 2 diabetic patients. There was a family doctor of ours who was who allowed us to run this on their on his patients. Uh, and graciously, we accepted that we need to do this clinical study before we speak to anyone in the corporates. And interestingly, we were really stuck up because we had built, what we had solved for was how do you make patients adhere to lifestyle interventions? That was our USP. It was emerging as our USP. And within like two months of these doctors, patients being put in the program, we, they started coming with their friends and their relatives. And we used to say no to them. No, our program is only meant for corporates. You're not the right sort of customers for us. Please go away because we are, we want to do B2B. You, I don't, because we will not know how to scale when you guys come in. So literally, because, and these people are bringing their relatives because they saw their insulin levels go down. The insulin that they were taking in as injections, the doctors were reducing their insulin units. The doctors were reducing their medications while they were part of this clinical study. And they were blown away. Sharma ji sitting in Rohini had never seen his 10-year-old medication go down. And he was delighted by this clinical study. And we thought, well, boy, we have something interesting. And we thought we should raise funds now. This is 2019. And guess what? I had like 73 investors reject us. <laughs> Literally saying... Okay, one, one quick question before we come to the fundraise uh, story. Uh, what were you uh, charging corporates? Like a per employee per month or a per, per employee per year kind of a... 100 rupees per employee per month. So 1000 rupees per employee. But if they're taking it in bulk, it might come down to like 50 rupees per employee per month. Like for... Uh, what, uh, what would you charge for the diabetes product extra? Like initially you wanted to sell that to corporates, right? So... Yeah, so the thinking was if you're charging like 100 rupees per employee per month, this can easily get charged like 10x, like 1000 rupees per employee or 500 rupees per employee, something of big it. We had not figured that pricing out. We had to try that out, right? So, I but definitely more than that, because the promise was if you have 20,000 employees, here is your 1000 diabetic people, which I have looked at your data. They are the ones causing that 80% of your claims, medical claims. So, give us allow us to run a specific program for them and two years will show you like they will not cost you much. So this was goal, was becoming the pitch for corporates, which before that just things just started changing for us in 2019. We never got to doing that. We just couldn't penetrate that because there was too much of stakeholder management. HR did not have that as their KPI. Someone else wanted to reduce cost. So it was just too much of stakeholder management because India, as the, this model works really well in US, where it's in the interest of the employer, the insurance cost is so high, it's in their interest to actually reduce it. That's why they do self-insured. They have a self-insured model. Most of the employers have that. So they are kind of incurring a lot of cost. It's going out of the employer's pocket if the employee is sick or employee is kind of diabetic and is causing them a lot, costing them a lot. Here, the interest, it's costing the insurance, pro insurance provider the employer is paying for it. You have to show results to them, convince them so that they will kind of give a discount to the employer. So I think it's those frictions that I have, we were kind of getting caught up in back then in 2019. 
I'm talking about that time. And this is like just two two such accounts, so my data is also limited to such large corporate accounts. So anyone looking to try this, the times could be completely different. They should feel free to try. Uh, because the ROI showing ROI was not such an easy thing to do. It would take two years before an insurance company would actually give a reduced premium. Uh, I still believe this is possible, but I think timing could be becoming better in the next five years. Eventually, we will get there. Okay, so let's come to your fundraise journey. Uh, you, 2019, you decide, okay, let's build a B2C side of the business and raise funds. Uh, then what happened? No, we never thought of raising B2C. We actually wanted to raise for our previous venture where we wanted to push the diabetes thing uh, through pharmacies, through doctor clinics. That's what we had said, and corporates. Every investor I met, they wanted to invest in the profitable company of ours because this was not proven. We wanted to sell it this at some 7,000 rupees for four months. Everyone thought nobody in India is going to pay for an online program. They just kicked me out of their office and nobody's going to pay for an online online program and when while we were reading up what was happening in that clinical study which was still running in parallel interesting thing we launched it as a diabetes management thing but people were getting into remission diabetes remission this is something that we learned while doing that clinical study people were actually reversing type 2 diabetes and no doctor was willing to believe when we were telling them we actually can reverse type 2 diabetes through online so we were actually the distribution guy will, will actually distribute our product. He wouldn't, he wasn't ready to believe in the efficacy of the product program. Investors thought it's too risky. Like who's going to pay for something like this? It's never been done before. So we were like, ah, that was the lowest period of my life. Probably if uh, a bunch of doctors, uh, probably if a bunch of doctors had uh, gone to investors, they might have had a different response. So what, uh, how did you build subject matter expertise on diabetes to really deliver this result of diabetes remission? I think the, it started with why my mom and Aditya's father was part of this clinical study. And our minimum expectation was if nothing happens, our, the health of our parents should, if that improves, we were just having a very low expectation in life. If our mom and dad's health better, kar diya, then also it's something life mein kuch better hi kiya humne. That was the prime thing. And just by serving those patients, sitting at the clinic, listening to them, reading up parallelly with nutritionists, just getting deeper and deeper into it, understanding the classes of drugs, how the dr drugs impact a diabetic patient, what will it take for us to help them reduce their dependency on drugs, what are the sort of diet protocols that are working best, what are the sort of exercise protocols that are working best. So Aditya and I used to create those exercise protocols on our own but how would we test that if we kind of coach 20 patients for a particular exercise protocol that we built that can be done in three minutes five minutes we'll watch all of theirs reading blood glucose readings immediately afterwards whichever showed the maximum delta we said this is a good seems like a good exercise protocol because it's consistently working across all everyone can do it they're showing drop in the sugar level that's how we were literally testing out our diet protocols and exercise protocols that's how we're gaining mastery in our field there. We just kept just kept listening, kept talking, talking to users and uh, just mo kept monitoring the results. And it was a feedback loop, right? They were they were telling us how to what is working, what is not working for them. Mm, got it, got it. Like diabetes as a field is like a field which has a lot of information on it already. What you did was productize it, did a lot of A-B testing to see what's giving better results. Yeah, a lot of lifestyle. I think there are lots of myths as well. What we created were really 
what we did was we understood the root cause of type 2 diabetes so we understood that that dr roy teller had already done that study in 2012 the root cause of type 2 diabetes was insulin resistance okay that's why and how does type 2 diabetes happen right when you ask any diabetic patient he'll tell you ma'am diabetic because my sugar levels are high everyone will tell you that but that's a symptom your sugar levels are high it's a symptom it's like you having fever me having fever but what's why is diabetes happening in the first place so if 95% of the market is type 2 diabetes 5% of them have type 1 so type 1 is when your pancreas is not creating insulin from birth and that's when you have to inject yourself with insulin in type 2 pancreas is creating insulin so the way it works is insulin there are two sorts of soldiers or two sorts of hormones that pancreas can create one is insulin the other is glucagon so insulin is a glucose lowering hormone hormone and glucagon is a uh, glucagon is a glucose increasing hormone that's what happens so if akshay and rohan go for a run and body is in a deprived state now because we just ran like 3 kilometers in 15 minutes body needs glucose so that's when pancreas comes to life it releases glucagon glucagon goes to all the muscles of the body there's a bell outside it presses the bell ding dong and everyone listens to glucagon and they say what's up so the, uh, glucagon will tell all the organs akshay and rohan have gone for a run and they really need glucose right now and all the organs will listen and they will break down the fat and release into the blood stream in the form of glucose so that's how glucagon functions similarly the hormone that truly matters for type 2 diabetics is insulin so if akshay and rohan grab lunch today sandwiches or coffee that increases the glucose in the blood stream right now pancreas will come to life again it will see the glucose has gone up it will send the soldier called as insulin which is a glucose lowering hormone this hormone will go to all the organs it will press a bell ding dong the, the door will get opened the organ will ask what's up insulin and insulin say akshay and rohan just met up for sandwiches and there's excessive glucose flowing in the blood stream can you just absorb the excessive glucose and the rule the principle is once the door is open the organ will listen to whatever these messenger hormones are telling them it will store the excessive glucose and that's how the glucose gets moderated and that's why you and i will not die when we have sandwiches because insulin will be at work now what happens in a type 2 diabetic same thing happens they will eat sandwiches it will get converted to glucose pancreas will create insulin it will travel all the body parts it'll press the bell the ding dong will not happen there will be no ding dong now this ding dong is insulin receptor and insulin is trying to press that bell and why is the insulin receptor not responding to insulin because you can think of it like there is a there is some dust particles or there's some some kachra that has gotten deposited which you can call as insulin resistance and now this is the root cause why if the doors don't get opened the glucose keeps lying in the blood stream and that's why when you measure it through glucometer the glucose levels are high and what the body will naturally do is it will the pancreas will be under severe stress and start creating more and more insulin and more insulin is out going and trying to press the bell but the body is becoming resistant with time so this is what happens the root cause is insulin resistance what we did was we just fundamentally understood the entire we broke down that insulin resistance and we have identified eight factors that lead to that insulin resistance four are diet related three are exercise related one is stress related 
and we have built 500 plus such protocols that are addressing each of those eight factors that lead to insulin resistance. So that's the... What are those eight factors? If you can just spend a minute on that. Related. So one of them is literally like your body being very acidic. The kind of food that you're eating is acidic. So how do you make... So fundamentally, how do you kind of bring in more dietary protocols that make your body alkaline? The second could be refined carbs. The kind of carbs that you're consuming, it's just very refined. You know, it has it has saturated fat in it. So how do you kind of move away from that? So those are the two diet protocols that I just said. For exercise protocols, think of it like the body's ability to absorb excessive glucose is going down because you're losing muscle mass. So we got to help. How do we help you build more muscles in the body? So that's kind of one because that's getting stagnated. And the other is the stagnated lymph. So if the lymphatic system is getting stagnated, that means you, uh, the body is not able to absorb glucose again. And how do you create more movement in your body that is activating that lymphatic system? So this is like two sorts of exercise protocols that are leading to insulin resistance. So now we have built... What is the uh, lymphatic system? Sorry, I- I'm asking you a lot of beginner stuff, but uh, I'm genuinely curious. Sure. So, th- so there are two kinds of systems. Like one is circulatory system that is carrying oxygenated blood to all the organs of the body. The other is lymphatic system that is carrying all the toxic elements that get created in other organs to back to the body. So in, in type 2 diabetes, when, when you have sedentary lifestyle, you're moving less. The ability of the lymphatic system to just get that material back is just getting compromised. And that's why diabetic patients start having this neuropathy in their hand and their feet. They have numbness in their hand and their feet. Because the lymphatic system is not as robust as it used to be. Did that help? Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the, coming back to the fundraiser, so those 70 odd uh, VCs said no to you. Then what did you do next? Then you, then you go to the one who actually understands what you're truly doing. So, so that was our third attempt at getting into Y Combinator. And and our chips were really down, man. We just had like two, three months of runway left. It was a really stressful time. 2019. Because you were not doing uh, much effort on corporate sales. So that's why your uh, runway had come down. Okay. We were a 10-member team. Initially, only one person was doing that clinical study. But the gravity and the pull of that product market fit was so much that by... Within six months, nine out of 10 teammates are actually focusing on that. That was creating zero revenue. And only one person, one analyst was just doing BD sales. And he was having a hard time retaining the clients. Because suddenly Rohan and Aditya had vanished from all the client sites. And they were just doing what was giving them a lot of joy. right? And we were, we were just sitting outside the, in the, inside that clinics of Dr. Clinics and doing, trying to push that model in different ways. So that was a really low time for us here. We were literally at crossroads. Back in July and I was having some health issues as well. Just getting hospitalized because of my throat. Uh, having like our own mental health vertical in the company. I was seeking therapy as well. And I was just not getting time in my own, via my own counseling team. But I was just very, very open to that. Uh, I think that's was the one of the lowest periods because nobody was biting our story. Nobody believed in that diabetes model that this could actually be. And we were always given examples. If healthify me, Something of that sort, you know. Nobody has done it before. Healthify me was uh, on the same lines, like a, a online product to uh, make you. Yeah. 
and back then they were they were also kind of you know after five six years they were still yet to do like a ten million ARR. Nobody had heard that they were going big. Now they're doing really well. So I think it was just becoming you know those sort of tough questions has never been done. How can this, how is it possible? But I'm showing them data. It's happening. But I think people want to see momentum in the market rather than data of one on nobody sort of an entrepreneur. So I think it was, it just felt really really low back then 2019, and we just went all in into our preparation for getting into YC. I think in spite of I feeling so low back in August, and that's when I actually met my life partner as well. So I think the best part that happened in my life was I met someone who just believed in me unconditionally. And she told me later on, she never thought this new model will work, but she just loved my passion for it. And she, she was herself stuck in a stuck in an investment banking job. Her name is Pooja. And she just saw like a respite to her life that helping me just gave her a lot of joy. And for me, it was like some, someone is just helping me so much. Like I better do a good job at, you know, this model that I'm trying and the entire team of 10 people, we just galvanized behind that truly believed and we just and at YC things just clicked there. Yeah, we just prepared really hard for it, showed them traction. These are 300 people who truly love us and we are acquiring them through all sorts of challenge channels. I think that changed our game by getting into Y Combinator and we were like the last offline batch that was working out of Paul Graham's garage in 2020 and we, and we then we start suddenly started getting a lot of interest from investors when we got into YC and then we kind of started saying no to a few investors can no the US Jackie race carrying funds become the vice. Yeah. And that's another story that, that that demo day never happened for us, and it was like another heartbreak in four months. Oh, okay. So like the, the lockdown happened while your YC batch was still going on. And we got completely screwed, man. Sorry for the word. So we got really, really Yeah, that's fine. So we my and that was like a even bigger. I think that's when I if there's ever been a time where I've actually I've actually decided to give up. I think that was the time. Like when we, when that was looking like a silver bullet, everything was falling in place after going through such couple of pivots, two, three pivots. When demo day didn't happen, we ended up literally raising like zero dollars after YC because there was no demo day and we couldn't convince anybody. It was, and we. How much runway did you have at that time? Six, seven months. Whatever YC gave us, that was the only money that we had. And we were at crossroads again in April 2020, where Aditya and I were just chatting and it was almost like, you know, Aditya was like, should we just go back to that B2B? At least that model doesn't die, <laughs> right? This thing is very risky because we don't have any revenue generating arm, right? And I said, yeah, we'll just work for our joy and meaning. And if it dies, it dies, man. Like, let's just, at least, even till our last day, we should be enjoying what we are doing, right? Like, and this... We, we, we were, we were, we were by the, by that time, all the corporates were shut, pharmacies were shut, doctor clinics were shut. So our entire pitch to YC was that we will get users from there and everything was shut because of the lockdown. We were completely screwed back then. And, and looking at me, some of my, my wife right now and my girlfriend back then, Pooja just got the guts to quit her job. She had moved to, uh, SS with me. And I just gave her a channel to work out. Like, why don't you just create one slide for me? Here's 50,000 rupees. That's all you'll get. You're in the middle of jobs. Just intern with us and just take this 50,000 and just work Facebook and Google. And I just want to tell the world that this doesn't work. 
that was my goal my hypothesis was that direct to consumer will never work for us so that no if anyone asks me i can show them this doesn't work and all that channels were shut so we're just figuring out what to do and that's the beauty of beginner's mind right had i done it or anyone from the team would have done direct to consumer because we all we knew that won't work it would have not worked when pooja did it it started kind of working for us and we started getting users from different parts of the country and and we were really obsessively focused on delivering outcomes because even if you are taking 1000 rupees we are guaranteeing them that we will reduce our blood glucose levels in 30 days that's when jab sharma ji ka dawai kam hoti hai ya unka glucose niche jata hai na wo 10 aur logon ko jaake batate hain ki yaar mere ko na kuch mila hai chhat pe jaake chillate hain ki mera na dawai kam ho gayi hai and we start we became the first healthcare com pure outcomes driven healthcare company in india which was direct to consumer which was charging up front and which was going through growing through direct to consumer and word of mouth and we started building these cohorts i was really um, i'm a educationist at heart like having done the first edtech as well for me like clearly healthcare takes people from 0 to 1 and education takes people from 1 to 100 and bahut hi clear tha mar le yaar agar hum healthcare ke andar deep ja rahe hain but that entire learning from education were already getting applied we are creating these groups in the form of classrooms where sharma ji will will get bonded with akshay ji and varma ji in the same classroom and they will kind of share whatever they are doing and we were doing because we did not trust our notification we didn't realize we were using a community led approach to outcomes and that's what people who recognized us later in the day told us that's exactly what you're doing so we started creating these communities which were which were people who were getting results were kind of motivating others who were not and it started becoming into a flywheel so just stepped out to raise again again those tough questions but there and then when did you step out again uh, this facebook experiment was in uh, 2020 2020 march and april may word of mouth was happening in parallel because when patients were getting results we were starting to get word of mouth we were charging up front so it was not no promises how much were you charging uh 1000 rupees a month so are we were doing some 3 months and 6 months thing at 4000 rupees aov and 7000 rupees aov something like that and that's when a fine gentleman called as mr sandeep singhal he is a ex md of nexus venture partners he i had met him in 2019 through mumbai angels he and i was not even planning to show up for the pitch to nexus there was pratik pradhar and sandeep i like ye mere se wahi questions karenge yaar ki ye kya hai kaise kar rahe ho ye kuch samajh nahi aa raha hai and i said kya ye na chhod deta hu isko kisi angel se hi milta hu but thankfully i think again my wife pooja only shared ke yaar chale jao practice pitch ho jayegi i was like chalo practice hi karata hu jaake and i was just unabashedly and i was in that zone back in july because we just had like 3 months of runway left extreme low point by june like that's the only time i had mentally given up and thankfully that's when you need a co-founder aditya my co-founder motivated me inspired me there was a, a founding team member webhav um he's currently working at w health he's like our been with us 7 years in the journey these because of these two people they kind of kept me going they said you know what ron what's you know we are getting results our product is working right we are growing everything is right the way yc has taught us everything is just falling into place we just need like someone to write a small check to us to make this work to, so that we get a long enough runway to give this a real shot and i said okay let's two months i'll not expect anything to convert i'll just go with a mind mind of you know zero expectations and 
just meet 70 people and this was one of those meetings that i just met and just narrated our story what we are doing the 3c's approach um uh, showed them our whatsapp communities we're building it on whatsapp and our mobile app so and we're building our own coaching academy so think of it like what white hat was doing in education we're doing it purely for healthcare owning the supply doing the all the hard things and i think that's where very few people were able to see through it that we were very different and thanks to these uh, people i think the first check we got which is the most special for me was by a guy called as christian ranta is an ex is an xyc founder as well running a mental health company in us he's a i uh, i think he's a danish guy or a netherlands guy i forgot and uh, he kind of when i reached out to him july again he said rohan i know you guys are struggling i can't do much to help you but do you think a small check of 10000 would help because i just want to support you guys believe me i think that check of 10000 is just kind of you know that was like the that was like gave us the i really really needed that that validation that someone is willing to just give without any expecting anything uh, and he just said just send me the your safe note i'm just going to sign it all this is my support for you guys that gave us the right dosage of confidence at the right time and that's how i was able to get through the remaining kind of pitches and the first check was written by sohail sami when i was back in mckinsey i forgot to share that that was the first check second was gsf and third was yc all the all of them were like angel seed sort of a things and sohail literally wrote a blank check to us but when i was in mckinsey he was my dgl and my co-founder's mouth was literally open like someone literally can write a blank check to us and it and it was sohail's first angel check and i think he's gone out to do some 100 angels after that and uh, that was our first and this krishan's check was the one that we needed the most at the right time and and after that it was sandeep coming in he kind of said if the fund is not investing at nexus i am doing my own personal check of 150000 in them that really helped us put together around i think that was the point where things just changed for us yeah so this was like your series a which you raised this was a kind of a pre series a back in 2020 pre series okay and that, then there was no looking back here then we knew that we are creating this space and it's working and then we also kind of retrospectively learned what exactly we are doing we didn't have this nomenclature of 3 c's we were doing coaching because we felt we needed it we were doing community because we knew it is driving our engagement just looking at our retention cohorts and nothing else uh I think that was when it really we never look back from there, yar. Combination of both, I think, building a team, building a stronger tech team, investing in our product, investing in our coaching academy very deeply, uh, and customer acquisition. Uh, so this is this is what we were doing. But majority majority of that was going into product and tech, and just getting the basics of growth in order. Yeah. So, coaching academy is like you're hiring coaches in house who who then uh, work with uh, the users. Yeah, yeah. We said enough of relying on other people's supply. We'll just bring in fresh nutritionists right out of college. We'll train them because what we saw was very clear, right? That that beginners straight out of college people were outperforming people who had expertise for three, four, five years because it took more time to make them unlearn what lot of wrong convictions are there how do you manage a type 2 diabetics lot of wrong convictions 
because our approach is very contrary to what sort of protocols will work and when they will work and how they will work. And we have tested it out on thousands of people right now. So we, we thought that a nutritionist who just, someone who just has a passion in nutrition, just out of college, we just want to train that person, make them into a health coach. So one is our toolkit of the protocols, the content piece, the knowledge of diabetes reversals, the protocols. The second is the behavioral change aspect, converting them from a dietitian and a nutritionist into a health coach. So those are the two things that we teach them in our coaching academy. So uh, a coach is like a all-round coach or uh, a person has multiple coaches, like one coach for diet or one for uh, workout and so on. Like how does it happen? So main, the main coach is a health coach who's a specialist in diet and a basic in fitness. We have a fitness sort of live classes happening separately, a fitness academy separately, where once or twice a month you can take a fitness plan and then practice it on through our classes. But basic is the health coaching. That's our main thing. These health coaches are in a way like your customer success team. Like, like they, it's their job to make sure that people... There's a heart. So think of it like in the, health, in the healthcare that we're building, doctor is at the back end who's kind of titrating the medications. We have built our own proprietary medication down titration grid. So doctors are kind of looking at the data that is result. So they're closely monitoring patients looking at the engagement data through which their blood glucose levels are going down and then they are down titrating the medications by consulting them. But who is at the heart of the center is the athlete. We call all the patients athletes in the program and the coach and the community of which the athlete is a part. So athlete is literally participating in the community in the community protocols and is interacting with the expert, which is a coach. So that's the heart of the program. Yeah. So you uh, do the prescription also for the medication they need, like because you have doctors uh, on, on pair. But but the goal is to eliminate. Yes, we do. Yes, we do that. We do that. We 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 initially we initially started we initially started by just asking athletes to go to their doctors, but we realized that was way more operationally intensive because if the though there are two things in glucose, yeah. If it goes up, it's hyperglycemia. If it goes down, it's hypoglycemia. Hypoglycemia is even more dangerous if your sugar readings are going below 70. So if there is, because our protocols are so efficacious and we drive, if it takes so much of ownership and driving adherence through our community protocols, the sugar level starts dropping very quickly. And that's where our medical intervention is needed quickly because the person cannot get into hypoglycemia and they cannot be an operational delay. So we've built our own medical academy as well. Mm, okay 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 got it but the, the goal of course is to eventually uh, not prescribe anything but the doctors are there for as long as prescription is needed exactly you have to keep down titrating slowly and slowly remove that dependency yeah how do you uh, i mean there's a large role of data here you need a lot of data about like say step count or sugar level and stuff like that so have you done some tech interventions there to gather more data effectively by tech interventions what do you mean like I don't know, you could have an IoT device, or like there's this company, uh, Ultra Human, which has that patch. Uh, so yeah, like you know these kind of integrations and uh, so. No, our our approach is our approach is complete. We're the only we we have a very contrarian approach in healthcare. We are saying we're actually delivering the highest efficacy in the world right now, and through a hardware agnostic, we don't. We're not distributors of Abbott or any such company out there. If you're a diabetic person, if I'm a diabetic person, whatever hardware you have, we're completely open with that. Almost every diabetic patient has a glucometer and we're completely fine with that because they have no incentive to lie to our mobile app. They're feeding in because of the engagement. They feel 
they want to share the readings with the coach so we don't we don't necessarily believe that you typically need an abbots patch of uh, to get the kind of health outcome we're delivering it through that it perhaps could be a variant in future for us we're not like allergic to it but the way we realize that is should i be showing down additional 4000 rupees of cost down an indian customer's throat and what this 4000 rupees of cost is resulting into what is the delta in efficacy that is it leading to and if our efficacy is already like 2x 3x than that of any person using the hardware then should we invest to get from an incremental points of 90 to 95% and make someone invest additional 4000 the rich people will anyways do it let them do it so that's our approach and we don't need it basically it's almost like if i have to coach you i can't have my first requirement you have to purchase an apple watch boss i can't coach you without that i don't think i don't think you need this to be honest yeah okay okay but you do integrate with like an apple watch or all these fitness trackers uh, your yeah yeah we do we do we do we do integrate with fitness trackers we get the steps from the pedometer inside the mobile app or your fitbit or your apple watch we obviously integrate with all apis are integrated so the hardware agnostic with my learning from my previous venture where when fitbit was coming into india the other hardware companies are coming into it we realized that in sabko aane do apis open karenge we'll just link with their apis we can't play the hardware game is just too much of chasing the pmf otherwise yeah amazing amazing i i love how focused you are uh, in terms of like sticking to the core a diabetic patient doesn't come to us and say yaar i need a better device to track my glucose i don't think that's the like our reading is that's not that's not the only value add i can make to their life their main value add is boss it's almost getting into iitj right like it's my, again i use a lot of education sort of thing reversing type 2 diabetes is similar to getting into iitj So in when you have to get into IDJ, you need the right knowledge. Think of it like H C Verma, Rasting Allardyce of the world. You need the right. If you have the right knowledge, you need the right feedback. So knowledge, feedback, and motivation. Those are the three things you need. Knowledge will come from books, H C Verma, Rasting Allardyce. Feedback will come from experts or someone who's got into IDJ. He will kind of tell me how to get into IDJ. Third is motivation. Like you can't just give me books. and you just can't give me a idj teacher and someone who's gone to idj and expect me to get it get into idj tomorrow you have to practice those protocols in physics chemistry math for a period of time to internalize it and get that sort of a learning outcome right same is true for diabetes you need the knowledge of the right protocols so we have like to create the 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 largest breadth of protocols that work on different body types and then you need a the feedback coming from a coach or the champions who have kind of reversed diabetes in bilai is so a famine bilai or bulanchair i know someone has reversed diabetes in bilai and bulanchair and he's kind of telling me what he did i'm getting influenced by him or someone who's just a working professional as a startup founder he's kind of sharing his insights and the third is the the motivation part where we use our game design so it's entire program is built in the form of a game Mm okay okay amazing so uh, and how do you do your uh, customer acquisition uh, how much of it comes from which channel what channels work for you sure so i think this is something we learned very early at yc as well business has to be built word of mouth and thankfully healthcare as a industry the only businesses that can survive in healthcare are the ones who will will get word of mouth and word of mouth build karne ke liye aapko results la ke dene hote hain so our entire systems are designed to deliver results faster and faster and faster that's how the incentives are aligned that's how everything is aligned towards that and uh so that so we acquire customers through word of mouth 
we are the largest in our organic traffic uh, in our category. We are like 5x more than our, all our competitors put together because we are the first ones to invest in content. So if you just go like, so more than like 60% of our customers are coming out of word of mouth or organic. The rest are direct to consumer. And what content is like YouTube videos or what? Like what do you do for content? No, these are blogs. We are actually gone for the texts right now. We are yet to crack the, the video thing, but we just, we took a bet on blogs very early and that has resulted into massive traffic coming onto our website through content. And now we started mining that to get customers. But you have to make those, but you have to make those patient bets because in the first one and a half, two years, nothing was happening. So you have to start earlier than that. That's the only learning for any user watching this. Uh, do you do something to, uh, like, you know, like incentivizing current users to bring in new users, like some some sort of reward program or incentives or something? Yeah, yeah. yes, we do that. We have incentivized an inherent variety, but one key learning was nobody's nobody's only doing it for incentivize. If they they have not yet themselves received results, they will never refer. As a, as, a, as I will never refer a program if I'm not happy with it. I'm not seeing results to my friend, even if I'm getting money, because my reputation is way more important to me. That's something we learned. You can't just you can't incentivize your way out of a bad product or not delivering outcomes in healthcare. Okay, what what's your average order value or like what's the pricing today now? Sure, at our uh, six months MRP is twenty four thousand. Our twelve months MRP is thirty six thousand. But after discounts, six months is at twelve thousand, and currently right now, and twelve months is at around sixteen seventeen thousand. So 12, 13,000 for six months and 16, 17,000 for 12 months. And uh, like your initial hypothesis of selling through doctors, selling through pharmacies, uh, has that progressed or, or is it like direct sales only? It's direct right now, but interestingly, there are lots of doctors who have undergone the program themselves for their diabetes. They are starting to refer it to their patients. We're starting to see that wave come in now, Delhi and Bangalore. That started happening. Is it like as lucrative for a doctor, like say, you know, you have that affiliate marketing program with e-commerce companies. So is it similar to that, that a doctor can get a reasonable revenue stream? No, I think right now they're not, it's not a commercial sort of arrangement with any of them. They're doing it because they feel their patients needed for their lifestyle intervention and they've seen their other patients get benefit from it or they themselves have undergone the program, either of the two things. But that could be an interesting model, right? Like an affiliate kind of a model for doctors. Could be an interesting. I think offline is like 90% of the market. It could be an interesting time for us to venture. We have already proven our clinical results by publishing our results with ADA, American Diabetes Association, European Society of Endocrinology, American Association of Endocrinology. We have already published our results. And right now, when I'm meeting doctors, almost all doctors recognize that diabetes can get into remission for a certain section of diabetics it is possible if they are there so now the awareness of the category is also built in the last four years so it's a great time actually it just feels like that could be a good could could be an interesting time i don't know we've not tried it so we don't know but could be an interesting time let's see and what about uh, selling through corporates uh, is that happening no yeah like there's just too many channels right now we're not yeah we just our hands are full with our organic and our word of mouth and some paid channels yeah our hands are full with that Amazing. What's your ARR now? So we've reversed type 2 diabetes for like more than 50,000 people in our total lifespan. And we are on track to get to our 1 million reversals by 2026. That's 
that's our the one mission that binds all of us uh, which uh, but, but what's the era like what, or what do you think this year you will end that revenue wise here we will so that's not a public information uh, era so we are on track to do like a 4x 5x every single year from here on and we have already doubled our unit economics in the last 6 months our repeats are really strong probably the highest in the category by a very good margin as far as the latest data we know because people are renewing their membership is like a biggest sort of a surprise to everyone who hears about us and why do they do that think of it like all these athletes were inside the hard jail we got them out of the hard jail and they never want to go back there they are so excited about being in the community that they renew their membership so uh, we have almost more than doubled our unit economics our ltv to cac in the last 6 months just removing low roas channels and just introducing higher roas channels just in starting to mine our organic more deeply so that's how we kind of been doing it and uh, even even with that i think a forex growth every single year from here is like on the cards for us uh, what's your uh, ltv to cac ratio here we've crossed a we've crossed two we've crossed two in that okay uh, some indication of like a top line like maybe like a target you can say that by this year we want to hit this number or some range something like that just to help users get an idea sure yeah i think next year the goal is to cross like a 10 million era that's that's the goal somewhere in middle of next year that's where we would want to cross that amazing so is this product also for uh, other use cases like say obesity the protocols can work very strongly for weight loss or obesity so we can so i think we have we will eventually once we kind of take this particular product line this vertical to like a 10 million rr we will be at an interesting crossroads whether do we become like the global powerhouse for diabetes reversal for the world um because 30% of our organic traffic is also coming from outside india or or since we have would have already reversed type 2 diabetes for 100000 people back till then should we just expand into the same households because india is a trust deficit country right if you have built trust in a household by reversing diabetes for one person then you, you can then sell the same company can sell salt the same company can sell cars the same some company can sell software right so that means pcod hypertension we currently get almost 30% of our referrals for other therapies which we turn down and reject because they're really obsessed about getting our diabetes right the community community right over there we don't want to change that positioning right now so you're currently selling outside india also like you said 30% of your lead, uh, traffic traffic is coming there uh, but we have some word of mouth coming in from outside india but that's not that's not significant as of now that's not a focus okay okay current focus is india okay so my last uh, set of questions is around understanding the space so, so uh, uh, this space i believe is called digital therapeutics right like that would be the industry jargon for it so who else is there in this space who are the other companies in this space uh, and how- so the original pi- original pi- sure please com- complete your question yeah, and like you know what's the difference in positioning for each of those like there would be some separate niche for each one right so just to understand that sure so the original pioneer in this space is freedom from diabetes dr tripathi who's been doing it since 2013 14 residential clinics we really look up to them like what what he has done for the space we learn from them a lot that's a digital product freedom from diabetes they became online in 2020 after covid 
before that they were running like residential clinics they were offline so we really respect them and learn from them a lot uh, and after that our biggest competitor is twin health it's backed by sequoia uh, so they're they're like our direct biggest competitor right now uh, and then there are others in this play a place like fitterfly diberfly a subsidiary of curefit who's also doing this so sugarfit yeah i think that's that's so these are the players in the space right now these are like these are what the space comprises of twinel is like our like the biggest competitor and their approach is the one because we guys started at the same time 2019 20 their approach and our approach is like poles apart they are more like a you know 70000 rupees 60000 rupees program a complete western way of doing it that you need like a patch you need like a a fitness tracker all those hardware devices have to be attached to your body and then they kind of create a create like gather data from your body through those devices and then they kind of offer like very stringent keto diets so that's what they've seen to work uh are the community led approach we don't go with one diet keto diet or anything we kind of customize your existing protocols so that's uh, that's a difference in approach and all of them by the way the all the names that they all are dependent on hardware ours is the only hardware agnostic sort of an approach okay i would have thought goki would have been your biggest competitor goki is also into this space of digital no so healthify me goki are i think competitors and they are more into millennials right lifestyle intervention digital weight loss digital fitness for millennials i think that's their positioning even though they they well being and obesity possibly they more of a well being yeah, they more of a well being yeah yeah and weight loss is a large market like healthify me is doing a fantastic job at it yeah so uh, do you need to raise more funds uh, to hit that goal of uh, 1 million people for whom you want to reverse diabetes yeah from here we are on track to achieve our ebitda positive by next year mid that's why that's where we are on track to do we are on track to achieve that uh after that it will be a call whether we would want to what what's the pace of growth you would want right if you want to deepen our investments then probably we'll want then we'll choose we may choose to delay our ebitda positivity and just in, go deeper and deeper into launching other therapies or launching other markets that will be a call that we'll take next year but right now to achieve our goal where we what we have set out to do we don't need any external funds uh will be will be good with that will be just achieving our milestones through that the funds that we just recently raised okay i think you, your headcount is about 100 150 odd as per linkedin uh, tell me about uh, org building you know how do you build an organization which is aligned with the founders vision and mission and you know some uh, insights that you can share on that front that is probably the toughest question you've ever asked me <laughs> it's the i never knew yaar i never knew like we grew from like a 10 member team to like a 200 member team in like almost one and a half two years like and the founders while we really scaled our ability to build a product or probably do growth this org building is something where we actually could have done much better and i realized that i think last year was a tough year for us um both and you know just changing the tra- trajectory in terms of profitability very quickly um and that's when you really need people to be culturally ingrained and completely obsessed about the mission you need missionaries for a category creation i would say because there will be so many obstacles that come in your way 
and that's when you need that and how do you invest that proactively is something we've been doing for the last eight nine months uh, just investing in culture first investing in principles driven decision making first what are the principles making it explicitly known sharing it with people like just we just explicitly laid out our values last year in november december we did a leadership offsite that was like the best thing we did people just loved it the 10 of our n minus ones just what are the values that resonate best with us and our users and how will we hold each other accountable towards those values and our actions like the values are another thing right virtues right what are the virtues through which we exhibit those actions that will hold us accountable to the values that we are seeing that are hanging so beautifully in any wallpaper right so i think then every week and every month how do you kind of institutionalize those virtues that we do that through town halls and just making it part of every week reviews decision making uh, i think still there is a lot of headroom to do better over there but we are in a far better place where we were like a year back where we didn't were just solving this reactively this is like a biggest learning curve for founders org building thing we brought in leaders exceptionally good leaders um also because other than i realize that if you have to really build this into a large business like a 10 billion dollar company which we truly want to build it this into and that means like 1 million reversals and maybe like 1 million uh, another therapy happening we will need people senior leaders who have done this and how do you kind of build a culture that they would love to be part of so you got to have to co-create that org with them how do you open that up how do you kind of you know not think of yourself as you know we are founders just mean that we are the first people here nothing else here nothing else and nothing more there's just a tag and nothing else how do you kind of create more voices in the room more dissent in the room more debates in the room how do we encourage that how do you kind of explicitly say that you know i am wrong my assumption was wrong this is what i thought i don't have access to this data how do you kind of open it up because everyone should have a very strong voice and then while that happens now the biggest challenge is everyone has a voice everyone's debating we tend to become slow in decision making that's what happens in corporates right nobody wants to be slow it's just that when everyone is having a voice things get, tend to get slow and and i so this is one thing that for org building we have to ensure that we are co-creating the org at the same time also know that in the early stage up to like a 50 crore sort of a revenue stage a 10 million 100 million crores it's founders who kind of you know have to kind of lift all the verticals up have to go to the 10th level of detail so how do we balance the speed the decision making sometimes just saying that it's my call i'm deciding and let's just go ahead with it with giving people enough voice that they are feeling as it's co creation i think these two are the balancing these two things is something that i'm also kind of learning so fortunately or whatever i think i've had the uh i've always felt that having a coach really helps because i'm a coach myself i i have a fitness coach in the morning even though i'm a coach so as a and this when you're building an org you need a coach as well that's been my learning so i had a coach in my seed to series a journey rahul choudhury who is the founder of tribo hotels he's currently at matrix he is someone who baptized me into consulting amazing learning then i had like rahul bhargav in my series a to pre series b journey he's currently joining us as a founding team member he's kind of moving in from canada right now and now i am working with another person who's just kind of helping me with this i think this is like the toughest thing that you have asked me man yeah 
Amazing. It's, you said that little nugget that uh, it's best to hire uh, dietitians fresh out of or nutritionists fresh out of college. Uh, what have you discovered about hiring leaders? You know, is, is there any thesis that you found that this is the kind of leaders you should hire? Like, should you hire people with relevant experience from the industry or should you hire people from, say, consulting companies and iBanks? I have, I've had one learning while interviewing hundreds of product managers and can you believe it out of eight years of our journey this company has had product manager for only six months it's just been me and Aditya kind of unlike many of our competitors or any other companies because I think there's something I retrospectively learned after speaking to my peers from McKinsey problem finding solution so I think the Finding great product managers is all about going deeper with them in their problem problem finding skills. How do they kind of, when, they, when given a chaotic problem, how do they prioritize data? How do they problem find? Classic case interviews is something that helps you find that. Give them like an assignment to find. Like, are they spending 80-90% of the time in structuring the problem, identifying the problem? Because I think any, any decent half-passionate person can solve a problem. I think it takes real competency and, and um, wisdom to problem find invest time in problem finding so so biggest learning is in my observation is anyone who's saying like i'm doing product manager five years four years doesn't matter man they have to do like a first principles case and if i don't see your problem finding skills i think i just generally tend to pass on it there's something which is validated by a couple of my peers from mckenzie who said they had seven product managers and six of them were like people without any pm experience they just brought in like consultants ex-consultants gave them problem and they were solving it better than the classic definition of product managers. Just like one learning in terms of one functional skill. And I think a similar of that can get applied to growth as well. People with first principles and people can who can move faster will definitely improve things, especially for new categories. You need solid first principle thinker, but not for everything. Do not reinvent the wheel for HR. Do not reinvent the wheel for finance. These are solved problems. So don't try to innovate in HR and uh, just learn from all the best cultures out there and create your own playbook. Like for us, we just read the Netflix culture code or Zappos culture code and kind of picked up whatever we could. And how do we build our coaching academy? It was all inspired by Tony says thinking for in Zappos, like all coaches just get kind of see some sort of promotion or some sort of uptick every six months. You know, all those sort of little things we built in the org. Uh, an org structure. An org is like the biggest tool that a founder has at, at, at his disposal. For leaders, I think, while competency is obviously essential, I think traits as well. Because if you're bringing in someone too senior, are they able to roll up their sleeves and just go deeper? That's a trait for which you need to identify. Because someone who's just been part of 100 crore to 1000 crore journey and you're bringing them in 1 to 10 crores, it's going to be super hard. It's the person is going to find super hard unless the person has traits and virtues that he will kind of, you know, go deeper. He's a first principles guy as well. So a lot of stuff will not work, but a lot of stuff will work. So, so half the stuff will work, but half the stuff will not work. So how do you identify people who are able to manage these two things? Because I think this is when you need to keep in mind when you're hiring leaders and probably just bring in people who are just one stage ahead of the company, not two stages, not three stages ahead. That is another sort of a, that is also sort of an observation and feeling that I have. And they just find it easier to kind of assimilate or it just depends on the person, right? If they're willing, like we recently brought in a leader in our revenue 
and he's he's like 10 15 years elder to me right and uh, initially as both the founders are having concerns whether we will be able to gel our team is of 22 23 24 year olds but would you believe it uh, he kind of gels much better with the 24 year olds than both founders because he's out partying with them out drinking with them so you need someone to exhibit those sort of things right only then you kind of gel into the culture so how cultural fit is very important yaar first principles and cultural fit i think these are the two things because these just give you like an un- unfair advantage if someone is a very good cultural fit and a very good first pro- first principle problem solver you'll always have an advantage when the situations change yeah and the uh, best way to judge a first principles thinker is through a case study or or like what are the ways in give them a problem that they've not seen or seen before and do a case on that how do they kind of break the problem open whether they are seeking you know all sorts of classic mckinsey kind of case solving sort of a approach so i think that's at least it gives you an idea how the person will think on ground right when an unknown problem erupts just take them into unknown territory and give them a problem let's see how they go about it that's the way to judge first principle cultural is more like talking to doing some strong reference checks just hanging out with them bringing them for lunch dinner whatever you can uh just to see the vibe right and your your gut feeling will be there it will tell you whether you want to be with the want to work with the person or not maybe organize like a three days sort of a working sort of a thing right just do a problem solving session we've not we've not explicitly done that but i've heard companies do that to really good extent just just ensuring that you know just having like a both parties have a very good chance of understanding how they work with each other it's always good to do that yeah and then ensuring you have a day 30 pit stop day 60 pit stop once they are in so you're giving them feedback on similar things it's a hard thing to do so, so this pit pit stop is like a review meeting like general feedback and how how you general like they're called yeah, yeah how, whether it's meeting their expectations whether they are understanding their goals what they need to do and if there's any observation that you have that you want to share with them to equip them those sort of soft things they're important yaar i'm just still getting better at it i would say yeah not that great not that great at it yeah and that brings us to the end of this conversation i want to ask you for a favor now did you like listening to the show i'd love to hear your feedback about it do you have your own startup ideas i'd love to hear them do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show i'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests write to me at ad@thepodium.in at that's ad@thepodium.in at 